welcome to the first episode of Team Upside Talks. Um, here we have Suleiman, uh, an intelligent, driven, and passionate individual. I would also describe him as an, um, genuine, kind, and someone who loves to give back to his community. He's also one of the busiest people I know and can always be found juggling his Cambridge degree with multiple projects at once. And a testament to this is uh, he co-founded Afterworks podcast, a shameless plug. I do recommend checking that out. And he's also the founder and chairman of Team Upside. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for such a lovely introduction. Okay, so this whole project is basically about breaking down our own personal experiences with education, um, telling a few stories just so you can have an idea about our own personal journeys and how it's not always linear and it's not always easy. So the first question I'd like to ask you is, how would you describe the kind of secondary school you went to? The kind of secondary school I went to? Um, so on paper, the, um, the school I went to was a selective state school, basically a grammar school in Slough. It, it's, it's quite difficult to describe. I feel like grammar schools have a bit of a reputation. Like there, there's quite a bit of mysticism surrounding grammar schools, um, and they're quite often viewed as elite institutions especially because of the fact that you have to do an 11 plus to get in and it's exclusive in that way but um i would argue that based off my experiences like from an academic standpoint it wasn't as not sure i feel like it wasn't what most people would expect from a grammar school um, when it came to like the quality of teaching it had a, it, it varied massively so on the one hand, you had uh, world-class teachers that were really invested and passionate about their subjects. But on the other hand, you had, just like any other state school, we had um, lack of funding. We had quite a high level of teacher turnover. So when it came to specific subjects like physics and languages, we, we, we didn't have as many teachers and we didn't have the best teachers as, as some other schools. Um, and the reason why I feel confident enough to say that the quality of teaching wasn't amazing is because I did experience good quality teaching. So once mm. you experience good quality teaching, you kind of know what you're missing out when a teacher comes into the room and doesn't really know what they're talking about. So yeah, from an academic standpoint, it was a bit of a mixed picture. Um, from a demographic standpoint, it was I wouldn't call my school diverse and I wouldn't call it diverse because it was, I'd say over 75% South Asian in terms of the ethnic background of the student population. So over 75% of students were from a South Asian background. So that's Indian, Pakistani or Sri Lankan. There were less than 10 black students in my year and there were only a handful of white students in my year. So that gives you a bit of a, a bit of an insight into the kind of the, the, the student cultural landscape. So yeah, from an academic standpoint and from a, from a um, cultural standpoint, that's what I'd have to say. But to kind of link all of those ideas together, the reason why I would say that I'm so privileged to have gone to the school that I went to is not necessarily because of the quality of teaching, even though that's one main reason, but it's because of the geographical separation from Slough to, to, to where I live in Southall. That mm. separation was so helpful and valuable to me as a student because it meant that I was, it meant that I lived in one area and I was educated in a completely different area. And the area where I live, there's quite a lot of challenging 
situations for young people to have to deal with. And I wasn't exposed to those same challenges because of that geographical separation. So that was, that's what I'd have to say about my school in general. I think that's an important point to make because we both grew up in Southall. Um, unlike you, the first secondary school I went to was Villiers and that was in the local area. Mm -hmm. So the challenges that I would face would be like distractions on the way home, getting involved with stuff that I probably shouldn't have been getting involved with. Mm -hmm. But for you, having that separation is, yeah. has really been beneficial. Yeah. And so how did your attitude towards education change during your time at school? Were you always as committed and, and, and welcoming to education as you are now? Definitely not. Like, to sim simple as that. That, that. They're the two words I would say. I was thinking about this question earlier before this interview. And the way I would describe my trajectory is similar to the way the politicians are hoping for the recovery of this country. Like, a, you know, the V-shape, <laughs> like oh, a V-shape recovery after coronavirus. Like, so I started in year seven, like confident, like I had just done well in my stats. I felt, felt quite confident going into year seven about my abilities. But then as the case for many students, when it came to year eight, year nine, year 10, like education wasn't a priority for me. Like being popular, kind of being respected being cool in the eyes of others was definitely the main like, center of attention that, that was the center of attention for me and I feel like that I feel like that is the case for me specifically due to the background that I come from and due to due to the insecurities I felt as a young student I'd say when you when you when you go to school when you're a student in order to do well it, it requires a willingness to experience delayed gratification so you in order to do well at school you need to be willing to work hard for a long period of time and not even see the results of your hard work for years mm. and when you're in year nine year ten when you grow up in relative poverty especially it's hard to really care about those types of things it, it, it do, there doesn't seem to be urgency or importance around education so if I was to explain why I did kind of act the way I did, it was number one, due to the, the standard kind of standard experience for most young people, which is wanting to be cool and wanting to be liked by others, but also in combination with my socioeconomic background and the financial pressures I was dealing with at home. There were a few reasons for why I acted the way I did. But, um, but yeah, that's how I would describe my attitude towards education from year seven to year 10 but then from year 11 due to the the support i received from mentors and teachers i started to kind of see my own potential and i started to like harness the energies i had towards education i, I started to see the importance of education i started to see started to really believe in myself basically um and yeah so year 11 i did I mean, I did relatively well in my GCSEs. I was proud of my GCSEs. When it came to year 12 and year 13, especially year 12, like I remember saying to myself, I need to do well in year 12 just to prove others that GCSEs weren't a fluke. <laughs> like that's the way I used to think about, that's the, way, that's the way I used to think about AS exams. And you know this probably more than most people because we met during A-levels, but my mindset during sixth form was hardcore. Like I was obsessed with my studies. I knew where I wanted to go. I knew what I needed to do. So like I remember in year 12 saying I want to study history at Cambridge. So that was, I mean, that was the goal. And I did everything I could possibly do 
to meet that goal. So yeah, there, there was quite a drastic change in my attitude from year 10 to year 11 to year 12. Mm. Um, and maybe later on in the conversation, we'll start to unpack some of those key, key causes. So you mentioned like mentors and teachers being a big help in terms of helping you pivot the way you see or change the way you see education and becoming more motivated. Do you want to elaborate on that more and talk about like who were some of the mentors and teachers that helped you along the way? Yeah, definitely. Um, there were, I had some great teachers, but I would, I mean, I would spend most of this time answering this question, talking about one individual in particular. And her name was Miss Bellani. She was my history teacher. She came in, she started teaching at my school when I was in year 10. So literally mm. at that juncture in my life, when I needed the most help, like not to be dramatic, but it kind of felt like looking back at it, it kind of feels like an angel came into my life exactly when I needed that help. And after God and after my mother, I would honestly place her next as the most influential person of my life. So thus far, she, um, she was an incredible teacher. She was so invested in her subject. She was so intelligent and impressive as an individual. She was young, which meant she had a lot of energy and a lot of charisma. Like something notable about Miss Bellani is, as, as with any enthusiastic teacher, they just want to kind of do the most, right? They want to do the most. So one of the things she did to do the most was she learned every student's birthday. Like she, she knew every student's birthday, which for me is like, crazy i don't even know my best friend's birthday but she mm. knew and think about the fact that she had so many classes so she had over 200 students and she knew all of their birthdays and we used to test her in class just to make sure she wasn't you know what i mean she wasn't joking but yeah so that's just one indicator of how um, dedicated she was to her profession mm. but um but yeah so so miss balani she was she was amazing she taught me how to make a timetable i remember in year 11 she um she got an A3 piece of paper and we, we, um, we wrote the days of the week at the top and we wrote week one, week two, week three on the, on the, on the white axes. <laughs> and um, we basically just created a whole timetable for my Easter holiday because I didn't know what to do during the Easter holiday. And she told me like, do this on this day and spend this amount of hours on this subject for these two weeks. And she basically like really changed my life, like no word of a lie. And she believed in me like, I could talk about this for hours, but I'll finish on this last point. And that's, yeah. she, when I was in year 11, she, she basically instilled so much belief in me and so much faith in me that I remember her saying to me, I could, she said, I can imagine you touching the lives of so many people that you mm. come across um, and speaking to hundreds and thousands of people. Like she literally said those words. And for any young person that is hungry for validation, those words are just, just, they mean everything to you. So yeah, she, there's, there's a million things I can say about her, but that's, that's my mentor, 100%. You sound like really blessed to have such an influential person who supported you along the way. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I feel like I wouldn't be wrong in saying there's a lot of like attributes that she has that would be nice to see in other teachers and other like key figures in your life. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like, if you could change one thing about the way you were taught or yeah. what you were taught, what would it be? Um, I think that's a really interesting question. I, I would really, it's, it's difficult, it's difficult to do this in, 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 in practice, but I would really 
um, urge every teacher to get to know their student on an individual basis, really mm -hmm. understand their background, understand their motivations in life, understand their strengths, their weaknesses on an individual level. So spend some time with that student, like maybe one lunchtime or one break, just really, you mean, go have lunch with the student in the canteen, get to know them, try to build a bond with them because I mean, trust is so important. Like you can tell a student, oh, you're amazing. You have so much potential. Like, why are you letting yourself down? But a lot of the time, the student doesn't believe you, that like, the student doesn't trust you. So why should they listen to you? You know what I mean? Your point about teachers getting to know each individual, I think that's really key. Yeah. And I think, I wonder how much of that, of that like ability to, to get to know each individual student is constrained by government funding. Because if there were more government funding, there's an argument that we'd have smaller class sizes and the smaller yeah. class sizes means obviously more time to spend on each student. I think it has everything to do with government spending. A hundred percent. Like that's a major reason why teachers are just so overloaded with work. Um, so overloaded with marking exams and just like keeping, keeping order in their classroom when there's like 40 kids in that room. And the reason why Miss Bellani like, did so well and connected with her students is because she went beyond what was expected of her. And yeah. that was largely probably due to the fact that she was so young and kind of zealous when it came to her first job, you know what I mean, outside of university. But um, you can't expect that from every teacher, which is why, which is why not every teacher is as amazing as her. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a lot to do with government spending, like you said, I definitely agree with you. Um, what, what are some of your proudest achievements or successes as a student? Yeah, so there's one achievement that comes to mind, and that is in year 11, I founded and basically was the president of the current affairs club in my school from year 11 to year 13. So me and Miss Bellani, we used to have discussions all the time about current affairs during that time, during that period. That's when Brexit was happening. That's when... Um, that's when the refugee crisis in Syria was happening. That's when Donald Trump became elected as president, 2016, 2017. So a lot of changes were happening in the world. And she was the person I would go to to answer those questions. And what usually happened is we would be in the middle of a conversation and then someone around the table would want to get involved and they would offer their input. And eventually the whole table would be involved and eventually the whole, whole class would be involved. So there was definitely a demand. I mean, they were interested in these topics, but there just wasn't a forum for them to come together and talk about it. One of my proudest achievements is the fact that I was able to help facilitate those types of discussions, like from students from year seven to year 13. Literally, we would have classrooms packed during lunchtime of really? students talking about current affairs, talking about politics, talking about environmental issues, talking about I mean, social issues. It was, it was honestly amazing to see so many young people engaged because you know how it is. Young people have a reputation for caring about the world and not caring about politics when that's definitely not the case. Um, so yeah, that was, that's my proudest achievement. I think that's really cool because I can, I can like definitely like relate and think about so many times when you go off tangent in class and you, you talk about current affairs mm. and contentious topics in the classroom. And I think the way that the school system is structured, that it kind of constrains like the, the freedom of expression or even to explore current affairs or outside topics that you're not taught in school. And I think it would be really useful if schools started to mimic 
like universities and encourage more societies yeah, with yeah. the education system because yeah. then you give students the power and the mobility to explore yeah. these extracurricular yeah. um, subjects. So I think it's really good that you did that. So can you share a story of a time when you faced adversity at school, even failed, and what did you learn? Yeah, there's, there, there are so many examples I can give of failing during school. Um, as I've alluded to so far in this conversation, I wasn't the best student. I used to misbehave a lot. I used to get into quite a bit of trouble. I was excluded many times. I was in social exclusion, which meant I didn't have lunchtime for like literally prolonged periods of time. In my school, we had this quite archaic punishment where they would yeah. make the students do litter picks. I don't know if they did that at your school, but yeah, they you literally, did they do that at your school as well? Clean gum underneath tables. Exactly. Like for the for the entire lunchtime, they would give us a bin bag and like a plastic and like a plastic glove. And we, we used to just pick up litter from from the ground. But yeah. So there were so many, so many instances of me basically failing in school and on the being on the verge of being permanently excluded and expelled. And I say all of this not to create some kind of narrative of rags to riches, but mm. to really just to be honest and to be truthful about the kind of my not so stellar past because it's it's, it's very easy to to view at any of our journeys and just assume that it was a it was um it was an upwards trajectory from the very beginning when it when it really wasn't so yeah there, there are too many there are too many instances of failure to, to to really account um but those are those are some that come to mind of course like as cliche as it sounds, it's never too late to like to change and and to push yourself in an academic sense and and like stop misbehaving and because like as you say, we, not all of our paths are stellar and and we don't always follow a linear a linear trajectory to like higher education or whatever your goal is because it doesn't have to be university. Yeah. Uh, so you can always turn around and do your best. Hundred percent. Um. What GCSEs did you take and how did you revise for them? So I took um, English, maths, triple science, history, drama, Spanish. Um, I think that's all of them. And yeah, so how did I revise for them? So during my year 11 mocks, I pretty much failed most of my subjects. I didn't really take them seriously at all. But then what I did, so after the Christmas kind of break is... For GCSEs, it was just literally a memory game. It was just understanding the specification, just doing a lot of exam papers, making a lot of revision notes. It was quite a um, outdated slash unproductive way to revise, especially relative to my time during A-levels. But it was just, you know I mean, it, it just needed to be done um, at that point of time because I needed to learn from those experiences. So yeah, I just literally content exam practice content exam practice start with the content make your notes um, i used to make like a long set of notes and then i used to condense it into a smaller set of notes and then eventually especially at a levels i used to make posters for different topics just so it's easier to consume like the night before an exam i can just i mean look at the poster um, so yeah that's that's what i did for my gcses um, so for a levels i took maths history economics and i also did an epq as well and for my A-levels, for history and economics, they were, quite, they were relatively similar. Content, exam practice, um, I used to do a lot of essay plans. I used to do a lot of past papers. For economics, I used to read 
beyond the curriculum. I used to try to keep up with current affairs and kind of have an understanding of real world events because you need to have that understanding in economics. With history, I used to just give essay plans to my teachers. And like I said, like my mindset during A-levels was obsession. Like I, I came across a video by a YouTuber called Courtney Daniela at the beginning of year 12. Her advice to year 12 students was to look at A-levels like a season. So these are only two years of your life, not like the five years of GCSE. These are only two years of your life, but they are the most important two years of your life so far. These two years of your life can change everything. Um, so just view them as a season, as if you were like a professional footballer, mm. a Premier League season, view it as a season. So that's, that's what I did. And that was my mindset during A-levels. Here's a big question. The history question. So why did you choose to study history at the University of Cambridge? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I would, I'll answer why history, because the why Cambridge is quite self-explanatory. You, when you're a student, you want to go to the best university, and Cambridge was the best university for my subject. Um, in terms of why history, I would say there are, there's so many different angles I can approach this question from. Number one, my history teacher was my role model. So anything she said, obviously, just kind of rubbed off on me. And I asked her, shall I do PPE? Shall I do history and politics? But she had studied history at St. Andrews. And she was like, listen, if you want to be a real historian, you need to study history, like pure history. And I respected what she had to say. So I kind of, I took, so I followed through with her advice. But also, the reason why I root for history so much is because it's such an interdisciplinary subject it's more than just facts about the past like you need to have an understanding of economics to some extent you need to have an understanding of philosophy politics sociology to really understand different areas of history and it's so global and it's so expansive that it never ends and you have so much to learn about the world about yourself and your identity and there are there are a lot of practical schools that you can take away from history you learn how to be, be a very competent writer and a very good communicator you're, you're quite good at spotting connections because often you view, you, often you engage in comparative history. So you start to compare different periods of history and you start to say, you start to ask questions about their similarities and their differences. And that's good practice to spot connections between things because a lot of your friends might ask you like what we're currently going through, such as COVID-19 or, or the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, do we have any precedents in history that can help us at during this time? Is there anything from the past that we can learn to make current movements more successful? And of course there is. So yeah, that's why I studied history. And um, I, I encourage everyone who's thinking about it to, to really look deeper and take it in. Um, so what does education mean to you? Yeah, so I think that's a, that's a massive question. And I've written a quote down because that's the quote that comes to mind when I think of education. Um, and it was, it's a quote by Malcolm X where he says, education is our passport to the future for tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Education is all about options. Education is all about doors, opening doors, leaving doors open to you, both in a literal sense and in a metaphorical figurative sense as well. Because there's a reason why People who get kicked out of school are so much more likely to go to prison. It's because they have less doors open to them, given their lack of education. And the head of the Metropolitan Police a few years ago 
um, I remember reading this from a college recent book, said that if you expel a student from school, you might as well give them a ticket to prison because there is such a direct correlation between expulsion and incarceration. So, and when you're incarcerated, literally in a real sense, doors are closed. You know what I mean? The doors are closed on you um, in a very real sense. So yeah, the reason why education is so important because like Malcolm X said, it's your passport to the future. So if you have any grievances about the way the world is today, if there's anything about the world that you dislike or that makes you upset or that makes you angry, then the only way to make a difference, the only way to make a change is through education because that will enable you to travel to that more promising and optimistic and beautiful future.